All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and as I like to remind you each and every week, I'm also the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks, and my company, Taylor Hard Money Advisors, is also in partnership with Chen Lin, who publishes What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? With regard to Chen's newsletter, he will be accepting new subscribers during the first two weeks uh, starting July 1st. That is the first two weeks of July. Uh, And Chen, uh, and also... Uh, you need to go to miningstocks.com to sign up for Chen's letter, as well as my letter, miningstocks.com. I want to thank each of you for listening to this show, and I'd like to invite you to continue sending along your questions for taylor at gmail.com. Questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. We don't uh, have time to really address most of those questions on this show, but I do read each and every one of them, uh, and they are very important to me, so please continue sending them along. Uh, also, follow me on Twitter, uh, J. Taylor Media is my handle. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors for making the show economically viable. Carlisle Goldfields, RN Resources, and Cornerstone Capital Resources are our sponsors for today's show. I've titled today's show, Can BitGold Help Restore an Honest Monetary System? Well, BitGold is the name of a new public company that trades in Canada. Its business model has been compared to that of PayPal, The difference being that BitGold will draw down units of gold used to pay for goods and services, whereas PayPal uses fiat money. Recently, gold money agreed to be merged into BitGold. Gold money's customers have a large amount of gold and silver and platinum and platinum as well stored in their warehouses in England, Switzerland, Hong Kong, and Singapore. Uh, So it was a natural fit to have gold money joining BitGold in a way. Given this proposed merger, which is supposed to take place very soon, I have arranged to have James Turk of Gold Money, as well as Roy Sebeg, the CEO of BitGold, to join me today to discuss this exciting prospect. Uh, James uh, Turk's goal was always to find a way to monetize gold so that people could protect themselves against the massive destruction of purchasing power orchestrated by central banks, especially since Nixon took the world off the gold standard in 1971. Well, also joining me today uh, in just a few minutes from now, Abraham Drost. He is the president and CEO of Carlisle Gold. That's an emerging gold producer uh, with an accomplished mine-building joint venture partner, Orico uh, Gold. That's Orico Gold. 
There's over 4 million ounces of gold in the company's Manitoba properties. Uh, and uh, before we go to commercial break, though, and, and before we talk to Abraham Drost, I do want to make a couple of comments about the gold markets and also a word about Dynacor Gold Mines. It's a company that has been a sponsor to this show in the past and one of my favorites. It's a company also that is being attacked by some, I, I think, very short-sighted shareholders. First, with respect to the gold market, I want to pass along some of the ideas gathered from Michael Oliver, who couldn't be on the show today because of time constraints. Uh, but in a weekend document, Michael showed, uh, he, he showed his forecast for the uh, really, the past forecasts, a couple of the past forecasts uh, for the gold bull market that really started uh, with the uh, collapse of the uh, Lehman Brothers in 2008-2009 uh, and his call for a bear market in 2011. Uh, and now, in both instances, people who were focused on fundamentals, as I was, were late in reacting to the market's moves and, as a result, uh, were hurt fairly badly. Uh, but Michael's momentum models got his readers in uh, early in both instances. Uh, and now with respect to the current bull market, Michael thinks we're setting up for a significant upside move in gold, a significant move, a bull market, a new bull market. Uh, let me just quote what Michael had to say at the end of uh, this past week. Quote, What's been setting up since the summer lows of 2013 is a massive basing pattern in the momentum charts. I cannot emphasize this enough. But the long-term momentum charts shown here have clear structures not far overhead. Break them out and it's boom. So if you're a depressed gold bull who failed to lighten his position in 2012, is frustrated by the time spent and cowed by the strong dollar and the deflation talk, wake up. It's, ta- it's tactical time again, end of quote. Now, Michael is really saying, keep an eye on these, uh, on these levels because he thinks we're just about ready to break out. Well, time will tell if Michael will be right for a third time in a row. Uh, but uh, I have watched this man's work and have, uh, have been gaining confidence in his work uh, as, uh, over time, not just in the gold and silver markets, but in all manner of other markets that Michael covers. And hopefully we'll get him on the show again in the near future. Now, regarding Dynacor gold mines, I want to say that I am in total agreement with Louis James of Casey Research, who wrote the following to his subscribers this past week regarding a hostile attempt against the current management, and a very successful management, I might say, of Dynacor. And uh, so I really am totally in agreement with Louis James. Let me just quote what Louis wrote for his subscribers this past week. Uh, quote, the news that some dissident shareholders are trying to take to take over Dynacor's board is not welcome, but not distressing in and of itself. If the dissidents were to win, then we'd be concerned. That's because we know how very, very hard it is to do what Dynacor has done. Frankly, to us, it seems insane to try to replace the team that succeeded where others have failed and delivers profits while other juniors are shutting down. Then Louis went on to talk about uh, some very excellent uh, essays and, and exploration results that are coming from the company's Tumi Pampa property, uh, its underground high-grade mine from which it expects to start producing in the not-too-distant future. And then Louis uh, concluded his remarks with the following. Bottom line, Louis says, this company has delivered, is delivering, and we expect it to continue delivering value for shareholders under current management. We support them, encourage you to do the same, end of quote. 
Well, we do have to go to a commercial break uh, now, but don't go away because coming up uh, as soon as we come back from break will be Abraham Drost, uh, the CEO, uh, I think of a very exciting company as well, Carlisle Goldfields, which is one that I have had on my list in my newsletter, uh, is, uh, it really has everything going for it, uh, of some more than 4 million ounces of gold, but now with a major company uh, that has all the resources capable of, uh, of executing and taking a gold deposit into gold production, uh, this penny stock, I think, is one that you should pay close attention to. So when we come back from the break, uh, please pay close attention to what Abraham Drost has to say. Don't go away. I'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Where infrastructure meets grade. Carlisle Goldfields, a TSX-listed Canadian junior miner, has an advanced gold asset in Lynn Lake, Manitoba, Canada, and is being carried through feasibility in a joint venture with NYSE-listed Orico Gold. The Lynn Lake Gold Camp has an open pitable gold resource of 1.7 million ounces measured and indicated and 2.3 million ounces inferred. Orico is in it to build it, and the project is expected to be in mineable reserves by Q3 2016. Government and First Nations support Carlisle's move to production at Lynn Lake. Orin Resources is a Canadian-based gold exploration company focused on the company's flagship Committee Bay project located in northern Canada, one of the best mining jurisdictions in the world. The company's current resource outlined by drilling thus far stands at 1.1 million ounces of gold at over 8 grams per ton. Orin is operated by the same team that founded Asanko Gold, which is constructing a major gold mine in West Africa, and Caden Resources, which was recently purchased in November for over $200 million. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm glad to have with me today Abraham Drost. He's the president and CEO and director of Carlisle Goldfields. Abraham is an experienced executive in the mining industry where he spent the past 25 years of his life. Uh, a more a complete bio of his uh, can be had, uh, can be viewed at our website, that is at this show's website at Voice America. You can also go to, and I'd highly encourage you to do, uh, exactly that. Go to carlislegold.com. The company's website is carlislegold. That's C-A-R-L-I-S-L-E gold.com uh, to pick up more on Abraham Dros' background as well as his management team. Uh, Carlisle Gold Fields trades in uh, Toronto under the symbol CGJ. 
You can buy it down here in the States, as I have under the symbol CGJCF. 54.6 million shares outstanding, around 26 cents Canadian money earlier today, uh, giving it a market cap of, I guess, around $14 million only, despite the fact that the company uh, has uh, several million ounces of gold in the ground and is working diligently towards getting them out. Uh, actually, I think even more important than the number of ounces in the ground uh, is the fact that the company's prospects of getting those ounces out and doing so profitably is, I think, greatly enhanced by its recent uh, arrangement with Arico Gold, Inc., a joint venture partner uh, that currently has a 25% interest in, uh, in the project. Uh, so welcome, Abraham. It's really good to have you with me once again. Well, thank you, Jay. It's great to be here. You know, your gold mining project, uh, you were telling me before we came on, Mike, at least uh, all of the uh, deposits that you have uh, number something north of 5 million ounces, I think, which is quite impressive for a company with a market cap of $14 million. But uh, mm-hmm. it's my understanding that you, you, you know, well, your project, the one that you're focused on at least, is in the Lynn Lake Gold Camp uh, in Lynn Lake, Manitoba. Uh, but I guess you, those are five deposits, I believe, the total number of ounces. But you're really focused on, I think, two basic deposits, which you are now advancing as one project. Uh, those two deposits, uh, if I'm correct, is McGlellan and the Farley Lake deposits. What, what can you tell our listeners about the size and grades of those deposits? Oh, well, thanks, uh, Jay. Uh, great intro. And, uh, you know, the... Um the Farley Lake and McClellan deposits are, are two out of five assets, uh, five gold deposits that are actually contained on the ground that's uh, 75% owned now by Carlisle and 25% owned by our joint venture partner, Arico. And Arico really looked at all the results and said, you know, the Farley Lake and McClellan deposits are, are the two most advanced, uh, about 1.7 million ounces measured and indicated. Uh, pit constraints, they were, you know, open pitable resources based on a preliminary economic assessment done by an independent engineering group that Carlisle had done. And, and it was on the strength of that particular resource and that uh, the mine plan shown in the preliminary assessment that they, uh, they jumped into a joint venture with us and uh, have committed to, uh, to carry us through a feasibility study by spending $20 million uh, within three years on a, a fully permitted uh, feasibility study. I think part of what attracted them, Jay, was the was the grade of these two deposits. Uh, Farley Lake, on its uh, by itself, is a seven hundred thousand ounce uh, situation, grading over three grams uh, gold per ton. Uh, that's open pitable. Mm-hmm. It, we say pit constrained in the business, and uh, and then in addition to that, another nearby deposit called McClellan. Uh, where there's uh, a million ounces pit constrained, for, you know, making up a 1.7 million ounce deposit. Interestingly enough, uh, below the pit constraint or below the modeled pit, McClellan has another million ounces of underground resources. So, you know, this is, uh, this is a project that uh, obviously Arico saw some uh, significant potential in and sufficient enough that they entered into a long-term commitment to, uh, to you know, bring the thing through development and into production. Is there any chance of expanding uh, the dimensions of that pit with low, with higher gold prices? Uh, that's one question. The next one is, any chance of expanding it through drilling and exploration? <clears throat> yes. Uh, yes, on both counts. Uh, we used a very conservative, uh, well, a, a reasonably conservative gold price of 1100 U.S. to do all the modeling at uh, in Lynn Lake on these two assets. And... Uh, 
you know, so quite frankly, if uh, if the operating gold price uh, at the time where a construction decision is made is significantly higher, I think you'd see the mine plan change. I think you'd see the pits expand to to reflect that. Um, and certainly, uh, a long strike. Uh, we do have uh, about 30 other gold occurrences in the belt, both uh, you know in in the Lynn Lake belt proper. And interestingly enough, uh, you know, Arico had the vision to suggest that there should be a special exploration effort outside the feasibility area mm. so that uh, Carlisle, you know, as a, as a funded partner could focus on, you know, adding ounces and uh, upgrading uh, historical gold occurrences into something that might ultimately make feasibility. So we are working on a $4 million exploration program this year in addition to $9 million going into feasibility which is part of a $20 million overall feasibility effort. All right. So you're, so as I understand it, you just, in fact, put out a press release uh, just recently. I can't remember exactly what day it was in which you discussed assays from, uh, that were from drill holes outside of the, uh, the feasibility area, that the area that you're studying now are moving towards a feasibility study, I guess. Is that right? <clears throat> that's, that's right, Jay. And, and that is—is um, you know, is so that, that to expand? Is that to expand uh, the McClellan or the Farley Lake deposits? No, or, or the, any expansion right now, and, and all the infill drilling uh, that's taking place at uh, McClellan or Farley would be under the mandate of the feasibility study. Okay. And so the the separate four million dollar exploration budget, which we operate on, Carlisle is the the official operator, uh, and it's you know it's half funded by Arico over and above feasibility, um, the results we posted last week, which you mentioned, are, uh, you know, for the outs, what we call the special exploration effort outside the feasibility area. And they were, they were quite good. They were quite promising. And uh, you say that's half funded by Arico and half funded by yourselves? Yeah. So in addition to the $20 million a year, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, or I'm sorry, the $20 million feasibility study commitment that was made by Arico. They said over and above that, we'll, we'll ante up uh, uh, up to an additional $2 million a year to be matched by Carlisle uh, per year going forward. So, you know, the total spend here is, uh, by Arico is upwards of $26 million. I, I, we, you know, we saw that right away as a, as a very significant commitment. Mm-hmm. So Arico will, uh, as I understand it, will gain upwards to, they will gain 60% of the project, leaving you with 40 if they... Uh, if they take it to f- through feasibility, is that right? That's correct, Jay. They have to deliver us uh, effectively what's called a, a compliant feasibility. In other words, compliant with all securities regulations uh, and all uh, mining and licensing uh, and environmental permitting requirements. What uh, there was a PEA that was completed. A preliminary economic assessment was completed. I can't remember exactly what the date of that was. When when was that done, and what were the results of it? Yeah, so that was posted to CEDAR, which is the uh, Canadian Securities website under Carlisle's name in April of 2014. I had joined the company as CEO in, uh, in February of 2014, and I'd actually invested in the company prior to that, just, you know, essentially just looking at it as, a, as a, an investment opportunity, uh, became friendly with the, uh, with the management team and was invited to to come aboard as CEO after I left uh, Premier Royalty, which we sold to Sandstorm. I just saw, I saw this asset, these series of assets, and this opportunity as just a significantly, uh, a very deep value situation, significantly undervalued, and, 
You know, quite frankly, I think uh, Orico's entry price of 52 cents a share, you know, stock's currently trading at 26, is kind of a reflection of the gold markets, which you, uh, which you alluded to earlier in your broadcast. Uh, let me understand then with this exploration that's going outside of the feasibility study area. Sure. Uh, what, what is your relationship then with Orico on that? Okay, well, um, essentially part of the deal was, so the deal we did with Orico in November of 2014 was uh, to enter into a private placement at 52 cents and uh, the opportunity for them to enter into a joint venture and earn-in agreement, which we've been discussing. And so uh, they bought shares, 19.9% of the company at 52 cents a share, and, uh, and then they made that $20 million commitment that, uh, that we alluded to. Okay. Yeah. What uh, what what sort of recoveries uh, are they expecting to get? What did the preliminary economic assessment suggest in terms of uh, metallurgical re- recoveries for gold? Sure. Uh, and uh, you know, are, is there more work going forward on that uh, as you go through feasibility? Well, yes, there is. Uh, we posted. Uh, you know, I just uh, encourage your listeners. Uh, you've you've mentioned the website. There's. Uh, there's the most recent uh, press release regarding expiration results. There was an April 28 release uh, regarding a feasibility update, and I can assure you, metallurgy is uh, you know is a, is a, is one of the key uh, foci, shall we say, uh, in that feasibility study. But the beauty of it is both uh, Farley Lake and McClellan, these two you know high-grade assets. Uh, are both past producers, so we have a very mm. good sense of what the recoveries were and what they will be going forward. And that Farley Lake, they're about ninety-four percent. Any, uh, I know it's too early yet. In the bankable feasibility, will will give a, a, a harder number. But any sense of what sort of capital costs might be in store down the road? Any wide range, or are you just not at liberty, perhaps, to speculate on that now? Well, yeah. there is a number that's public as part of the PEA, and that is kind of the working number that we're using at the moment uh, is 185 million U.S. And based on the, that kind of upfront capital cost, uh, the project returns a 34% internal rate of return mm-hmm. using the $1,100 gold price. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, yeah. so we're pretty comfortable with that number. Yeah. Um, all right. So the the drill holes that you just came up with, so they they do give you some hope of of uh, perhaps outlining another viable deposit, I guess. Yeah, you know, that uh, in my comments in the press release, I, I alluded to that because I said, you know, we've got a number of these historical gold occurrences that, you know, the company was never properly funded to follow up, and now it is. And, uh, you know, and we had some results that, you know, certainly, you know, were, you know, sort of in the, you know, the 20-gram range, uh, mm-hmm. you know, which shows, again, the potential for high-grade shoots. And, you know, the, the two deposits that I mentioned up to, up to the north uh, in the feasibility study, the McClellan and Farley Lake, they're, they're a high-grade situation. The other deposits that we have on the property are down in what we call the southern belt, which is the area we're currently exploring, and they're about a gram lower. They're about, they're about 1.2 grams to the ton, whereas, you know, into the north it's about 2.2 grams through the mill. And, uh, you know, we, we saw, so the mandate really is to see if we can find uh, high-grade shoots within that lower-grade corridor to upgrade the potential to bring those assets into feasibility. And, and the early indications are that, look, there's high-grade out there, and uh, you need to have a sustained expiration 
effort to uh, to go and find it. And uh, you know, we have that that commitment now with uh, with our partner. And uh, the early indications are positive, and we'll be, uh, you know, we're about, uh, I would say, roughly a uh, million dollars into a $4 million expiration budget this year. And just to compare, Orico is into, uh, is about $3.5 million into a $9 million feasibility spend. So lots of news flow to come. So we've, uh, you spent $1 million, so we, of the four, so we should be expecting uh, ongoing uh, results, I suppose, over the next several months. Yes, absolutely. We're we're busy. It's all hands on deck at the moment, Jay. And uh, so that, those would be some drivers to look for. Anything else that uh, investors should keep their eyes on? Uh, news news events uh, coming yeah, forward sure. that people. Well, you know what? Uh, to, uh, you know, again, I'll refer your listeners to our corporate presentation, which is on the website at carlisleguild.com. It's right on the homepage. There's a there's a timeline in there. Mm-hmm. That uh, is the engineering Gantt chart that was provided to us by our partner, and that shows a little bit about what's coming. And, and by uh, Q3 of 2016, uh, we will, they will have finished the feasibility work. And so we will have a, a very good idea at that point, you know, uh, certainly what, what you know, we're facing in terms of ultimate capital costs and, you know, kind of a validated economic model, feasibility ready, and more importantly, where we're dealing with measured and indicated mineral resources today, we'll be dealing with mineable reserves at that point, and we see that as a potential revaluation of the company. So, you know, at 26 cents a share, which values our ounces somewhere in the sort of the 10 to 14 dollar range, um, you know, uh, a re-rating. I mean, we know we see companies at uh, you know at the M&I level today uh, trading in sort of the 100 dollar range. So, if you use the precedents. We, we think there's a significant value opportunity here at these price levels. Yeah, and the good thing is you shouldn't need to be raising a lot of money in the meantime and diluting shareholder interest until you have a substantially higher share price. At least that would be my hope as a shareholder. <laughs> yes, well, in fact, uh, we're well-funded. We have about $8 million in the bank, and so we're, we're funded to meet all our expiration commitments and, uh, you know, in reasonable shape here. I mean, our objective here, quite frankly, is to be a junior partner on... Uh, on the ultimate development at Lynn Lake. And, you know, if, if uh, Rico, who recently announced a merger with Alamos Gold, you know, who have the, uh, the Mexican producing interests and, you know, are looking at uh, bringing the, uh, the Canadian assets into the fold, um, our sense is, look, if, they, if they're willing to build it and operate it, we'd love to be a junior partner on something like that. Yeah, indeed. Anything else you can tell us? Uh, we're just about out of time. Anything else uh, you think that you would like to highlight uh, for our listeners, well, you know, I think we've touched on all the uh, all the all the highlights here, Jay. I mean, but from my perspective, look, uh, you know, uh, still as an early investor in the deal, you know, I'm still very encouraged that we're headed in the right direction, and I think there's uh, lots more to come out of this project. And here's the beauty of it: we don't need higher gold prices to have significant returns at uh, at Lynn Lake, Manitoba. Well, I guess with $1,100 as a very conservative estimate or a very conservative number to work off of, that seems to be good. And, uh, of course, a little bit of tailwind wouldn't hurt either, would it? Well, you know what? I, I've been, as you mentioned, I've been in the, uh, the business for a while now, and I've been involved with several different deals. And, you know, we, uh, you know these, these hiatuses are, are quite typical, these downdrafts. But, um, you know, as I like to say, I've been through four downturns in the industry, but but the reality is that means uh, in between we were in uh, you know fairly significant updrafts as well, and I don't think this time will be any different. 
Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Thank you very much, Abraham, for being with us. And look forward to keeping up with your story in the future. Thank you so much for being with us. And uh, yeah, until the next time. Take care. Okay, Jay. Thank you. It was great to chat. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Well, folks, don't go away because coming up next, James Turk of Gold Money and Roy Sebeg of BitGold will be with me. Uh, they have announced plans to merge gold money into BitGold uh, in an effort to help citizens actually use gold as money. Uh, I think this is a very fascinating story that I, you won't want to miss and probably want to consider uh, participating in in one way or another sometime in the future. So don't go away. I'll be, I'll be right back with James Turk and Roy Sebeck. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Cornerstone Capital Resources is a prospect generator focused on joint venturing its highly prospective gold, silver, and copper projects in Ecuador and Chile. At its Cascabel Joint Venture in Ecuador, funded by partner Sol Gold PLC, hole five of an ongoing drilling program intersected over 1,300 meters, grading over six-tenths of a percent copper and over half a gram per ton gold. Cornerstone retains a 15% interest financed through to completion of a bankable feasibility study. Symbol CGP on the TSXV and CTNXF on the OTC. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again James Turk of Gold Money, and for the first time, Roy Sabag. He's the co-founder and CEO of a newly traded public company named BitGold. And uh, the reason for having both James and, uh, and Roy on together uh, is that their companies have chosen to merge, bringing Gold Money, it's a private company, into BitGold, uh, as I said, a newly uh, traded company, a public company, uh, that recently went public. It trades under the symbol XAU uh, in Canada, and I'm told, uh, Roy was just telling me before we came on the show, uh, that it will be trading as an ADR very shortly, and then uh, probably soon after that, we'll get a New York uh, Stock Exchange listing. BitGold has been trading around $4 in Canadian money, and uh, currently 36.6 million shares outstanding. Uh, but when the merger of gold money and uh, an 18 and a quarter million financing is completed, 
then uh, there will be something like 54 million shares outstanding. And once the merger takes place, gold money will retain uh, its identity. That's my understanding anyway as gold money, but will be a subsidiary of, of BitGold. And uh, Roy will continue to be the CEO of BitGold, and James Turk will join BitGold, uh, its board of directors, uh, as a member of the board. Uh, James uh, certainly is no stranger to this show. He has been a guest several times in the past, and, well, he's well-known as a founder of Gold Money, for sure. Uh, that's a company that has several patents for the use of uh, the Internet for gold money transfer payments. Uh, and James uh, is a free market gold money advocate, has been a friend of mine for a couple of more decades than I'd like to think of probably. But uh, for a more thorough biography on James, uh, go to the Voice America. Go to, my, go to this show's webpage uh, at the Voice America website, and you can read more about him if you're uh, not familiar with him. But I doubt many of you. Uh, would fall into that category. Roy Sabog uh, is, as I mentioned, the CEO of BitGold, and his name is probably not as familiar, but I'm guessing you're going to be hearing a lot from uh, from Roy in the years to come. Uh, as I mentioned, he is a co-founder, along with Josh Crum, uh, of BitGold. Uh, Roy has been an active investor, portfolio manager, a very successful one. Uh, throughout his career, he has correctly predicted important investments and economic themes before they materialized, resulting in great uh, in risk-adjusted returns that have significantly outperformed the market indexes. And he is an avid reader of science, history, and economics. So thank you. Thank you both, James and Roy, for joining me today. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for having thank us, Jay. Oh, it's it's great to have both of you, Roy. Before we get started, uh, you you say that you're going to your shares are going to be trading. You think pretty soon in the U.S., right? Yeah, I believe the uh, ADR, the American Depository Receipts, will be trading mm-hmm. um, within a few days. That's what we were told uh, by one of the issuing brokers. All right. Uh, I, I would like to really begin by asking you, Roy, uh, to explain to our listeners what services BitGold will provide to its clients and how exactly uh, BitGold will work. Yeah, well, thanks again for having uh, me and James. Um, you know, so BitGold is an online platform uh, that allows people to not only use gold for savings, uh, that's one of the use cases. Um, but also to use gold in payments and in transactions. And so anything that you can do with PayPal, uh, you'll be able to do with BitGold. Uh, You can already do a lot today, but by the end of this summer, when we roll out um, the remaining products uh, that we're going to be uh, rolling out, you'll be able to open open an account, fund that account with any source uh, of funding, whether it's a bank account, a credit or debit card. Um, we, you'll even be able to deposit uh, actual cash through these ATM machines that we've developed. Um, you then have physical, allocated, reserved, redeemable, insured gold, uh, gold bullion, COMEX or LBMA bullion. Uh, and then you can actually do the following. You can send the gold to other users for free. You can go into any traditional store, point of sale, or ATM machine and withdraw the gold value or use that gold value in real-world transactions. Or if you're a merchant or a service provider, you can open a BitGold account with a zero balance and you can sell your goods and services and products online or offline 
and earn gold. So you can process those transactions using existing payment rails like a credit card uh, or uh, a bank direct transfer, um, but you end up earning gold. So the big idea is people can finally peg their labor and services and goods to gold. Um, and for those that are looking to seek access to gold, uh, you know, for the first time or just, uh, you know, learn a, a little bit more about the volatility of gold, um, they can use that to open accounts. Um, but the real opportunity is to get people to use gold in payments and transactions. Okay, so everything will be denominated uh, in the account or in the holding, I guess, uh, in grams of gold, I guess. So, yeah. but, but they'll be transferred, presumably, if a merchant, you're going to use your credit card, for example, uh, that would be then transferred into, uh, the gold will be transferred at, the, at that current gold to dollar price, let's say, uh, for the purchase of merchandise. So, yes, the account's always denominated in weights of gold. We deal with one kilogram bars or 400-ounce LBMA bars, but our platform, Orem, fractionalizes each bar, not by reserving. It's not fractional reserve. It simply fractionalizes an individual bar amongst uh, BitGold users down to as little as 0.01 grams or three cents. Now, the system, what's so special about it is it's integrated today into the traditional payment rails. So if you're a merchant and you want to accept uh, a MasterCard, then the person on the other end is just swiping a MasterCard, no different than how mm-hmm. they would swipe a MasterCard if you were you know, using a, a bank processor like Bank of America or Wells Fargo. But what you would receive in your Bickle account would be gold grams. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I understand that this, uh, your services are not available for American U.S. residents at, at this time. Is that still true? That is true for the next, uh, I would say, few weeks. Um, you know, we're, we're getting ready to launch in the United States, um, and we're working very hard towards announcing that uh, in the coming weeks. That's that's exciting. I mean, I was I was uh, I didn't know that you'd be that near to it. I was my under uh, understanding that I was probably going to have to change countries before I could before I could <laughs> use it. But uh, that, that's uh, that, that's reassuring. Uh, you know, I have to think though as an American about tax treatment, and I don't know if this is something that either James or Roy would want to would want to touch on. But you know, I'm thinking in my own mind. I know how our IRS is very covetous of any profits, any gains you make anywhere. So if I'm owning gold, at, uh, I'm owning gold, and I take that gold, and the gold starts to rise in value, um, is there going to be some tax issue? Is that so, or is that something that I, I just need to talk to my accountant about? Yeah. So this is a great point, um, and I'm going to uh, explain it in a few different ways. So let's just look at it mathematically. Um, we have built a technology which, over time, automatically. Uh, calculates your gains and losses, your delta, um, in your local tax currency. So when you sign up for an account at BitGold, uh, one of the last steps requires you to select a tax currency. And that tax currency can actually be changed later on. It's a very hard thing to do, to build, because what we're doing is we're recording the value of the transaction at each moment that that transaction is occurring, whether you're receiving gold or sending gold, 
but we're recording it in the notional value of, of your tax currency. And then we're just taking that number and, and saving it. And at the end of the year, you export uh, a CSV or an Excel file, and you add it into your TurboTax or, or H&R Block or whatever you use, your accountant, and you, it just becomes a line item on your 1099 if you remember like the old way you would do it in brokerage firms. So hmm. you know, before brokerage firms became sophisticated and issued 1099s, I mean, I'm young, but I remember having a brokerage account when I had to get like, you know, I had to literally export it out and add it into TurboTax and all that stuff. So, so that's one thing. Um, on the uh, question of why would someone want to use gold because it's generating gains, um, you know, here's a little brain exercise. Uh, you know, there used to be this thing called a risk-free rate of interest. Mm-hmm. And uh, we used to deposit money at banks and earn interest. Yes. And then that interest, which was a delta above the initial deposit, would get taxed. Yes. And, and that amount would be, uh, so, you know, you get a 1099 and you take that amount, you'd add it to your adjusted gross income. And mm-hmm. that would be your revenue. Uh, and so it's the same thing with gold. If you happen to use gold throughout the year and it generates a net gain in your tax currency, well, that delta has to be added. And if you're a merchant and you've got costs against that, then you will uh, add those in and uh, you know, will adjust your, your net income. If you have received gold uh, as payment without um, you know, showing or demonstrating um, you know, any, any cost against it, then the entirety of that uh, payment, uh, again, it depends if it's a good or a service, and by no means are we giving tax advice, but the bottom line is this. If you happen to earn a positive delta, a gain, on using gold, whatever that gain is divided by your gold holdings, whatever rate that is, that's no different than earning interest on gold. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, that's the way I look at it in a world that's denominated in fiat when you're a taxpayer that's paying in fiat. And so I think it's a very important point. Like, there's no tax friction in using gold. The only friction that existed was the technological friction, the ability mm-hmm. to do it effectively. And with our platform, you can finally do it effectively. And, you know, Josh and I, before we... Um, Establish Bitcoin. This was one of the last kind of things that we needed to tick off internally, um, and you know, just like deciding, do we want to do this or not? Uh, and so we took Josh's secretary's uh, annual salary, um, and what we did was we imagined that you know, over a ten-year period, um, we modeled this out. We built a model. Uh, she would take her salary every month and basically pay the tax on her salary. And then deposit that amount into Bitgold and then spend uh, on the Bitgold debit card uh, her basic requirements every month with the difference, the surplus being her savings. And after about you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 years in the model, obviously we, we know what gold has done, um, you know, you're still about five to ten times better off than if you had done that with fiat. Yeah, even after, if, if you're the most, you know, if you're a good Samaritan citizen, you know, write a check at the end of the year, to the, like, you would still be better off. And that's wow. the power of, of gold's compounding effect against fiat. And, and by the way, that's, that's in U.S. dollars, right? Uh-huh, that's arguably uh-huh. the, 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 best, the best fiat yeah. out there. The strongest um, one, yeah. Yeah, the strongest one. one. Yeah. If, if you were to repeat that exercise in euros or in Japanese yen or in Indian rupees or in Brazilian reals, Australian dollars, 
yeah, you'd be way better off. So yeah. th- this idea that, you know, there is a friction in dealing with gold um, is incorrect. It's no different than when we used to get paid interest. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's really amazing. So you've got this platform, you've got this uh, technology built into, the, uh, into your model now so that you can handle this, this issue? Is that yeah, something that's ready, that is, that is complete now? Ready to go. Yeah, that was a core. That was a core feature. When we met okay. regulators and we said we want to launch this service, um, the two things they said to us was, "We don't object to the service, but we want to see two things. We want to see bank grade, know your customer, and anti money laundering policies, and and that means that we do a full physical on you when you sign up, but we do it very quickly. You know, we do it very quickly, and with technology, we're able to do it uh, within minutes." Um, but the second thing they wanted us to do was promote tax compliance. Mm-hmm. And so we said, sure, you know, we're, we're going to do that. And here's how we're going to do it. They didn't right. want us to create a system where people could, um, you know, build up gains and, and, and then at the end of the year say, well, I don't know how to report that gain. Bitgold yeah. doesn't tell me, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, let's move on. I, I want to get James into the discussion here. James, you know, you've spent a lot of time and energy forming gold money. I don't know how long ago is that you and I first met in New York and you, you were introducing this story of gold money to me. What did you see in BitGold and its management that convinced you a merger was in the best interest of gold money uh, of your shareholders, your, you being probably the largest one? Uh, what did you see in BitGold that really convinced you it was in your best interest? And, and not only of the shareholders, but of the clients of gold money. Yeah, you know, we're always focusing on what we can do to improve the experience of our customers. And when you're doing a transaction like this, the first thing you look at is the management team of the other company. Sure. And Roy and his team, you know, he's assembled a fantastic team in all key areas, but particularly IT. And when you're involved in online commerce, you know, IT is the most important element of it all. Um, And the way... We saw it from a gold money shareholder point of view as we're bringing two companies together, uh, very complementary to one another with the net result that we view it as a one plus one equals three transaction. In other words, the sum of the two is greater than the individual parts individually. Uh, so I think that you know, gold money customers were, will notice um, some significant enhancements in their experience with gold money plus new products and services that are going to be made available as a consequence of bringing the two companies together. Uh, Roy, can you explain how BitGold would derive its income? How's it going to make money? And, uh, you know, I'm thinking in terms of a potential, uh, being a potential shareholder of BitGold. Uh, how, how is it going to make money? Yeah, so BitGold will make money earning small transaction fees on every transaction, when we looked at gold and gold ownership in general, we felt that the storage fee was uh, a potential inhibitor for new, new owners, people that want to have very small deposits. So we, we eat that up. We underwrite that. That's a cost that's borne on the operational entity, um, not the segregated client account. Um, but then we earn a 1% fee uh, essentially when you deposit gold or when you uh, redeem gold from the platform. And that's a fee that's earned within this exchange that we've built where there's counterparties, uh, LBMA, COMEX counterparties that feed bid and asks all the time. And so we always take the best bidder offer. We add a 1% uh, fee, and then we uh, distribute that price to the platform. That's the price that you execute uh, a deposit or a redemption in. Mm-hmm. 
For merchants, you know, uh, we will charge a 2% fee to process invoices and credit cards. So we actually charge you less than uh, what a normal credit card company charges you. It's usually 2.5 or 3% plus 30 cents. Um, and then you're able to actually generate a credit of gold. Okay, so uh, so you will be accepting merchant accounts. And uh, do you have any sense of what size those merchants might be? Are they going to be the, can they be anybody that applies? Or, or And then what, you'll probably have a fairly rigorous uh, process to go through, I suppose, like credit like merchant accounts uh, are always subjected to. Yeah, um, no, so we see this as being, um, you know, we're, we're emulating everything that PayPal's done, uh, mm-hmm. and so anyone can become a merchant account. It will require uh, an extra step in terms of uh, KYC, know your customer, but I don't suspect it'll take uh, more than a few minutes uh, as well. I mean, there'll have to be a, an approval on our side, an underwriting uh, department, but um, the way we're building it is it's going to look and feel very similar to Stripe um, or, or Shopify or Square. It's just it's a checkout button, and you can install it on your website uh, or on your eBay listing, and the purchaser uh, is essentially able to click on that button. If they have a BitGold account, great. They just sign in and check out. If they don't, they go through an accelerated sign-up, maybe takes them five minutes, uh, and then they're able to complete the transaction. Now, I, I want to touch on something. Why, what's the point of using gold, right? Like there's a lot, there's a lot of questions. There. Well, why would you use gold? For people that understand gold and want exposure to gold, that's a good use case. But what if I told you that there's an economic reason to use gold, even if both sides, the merchant and the purchaser, couldn't care less about owning gold? What if I told you that you could reduce transaction costs by having a payments network backed by gold? as opposed to currency. Um, and, and then that's, that cost uh, really scales uh, when you get into FX transactions with different FX spreads or cross-border payments. Uh-huh. And so I think that's really the crux of, of what, we've, what we discovered, Josh and I, when we established this idea for BitGold, was if you could build a settlement system using one thing, gold in this case, mm-hmm. which is very inexpensive to store, Mm-hmm. Um, and build a you know, sort of a swift system, um, you now have a scenario where you can move large amounts of value instantly for essentially free, no cost. It doesn't cost us anything to move it. We charge a fee, but it's just a database movement. Mm-hmm. The metal itself is always staying in the vault. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, if you look at, say, a scenario where you have a grocery store owner in Japan, and they're buying a monthly shipment of tomatoes from a farmer uh, in India. Uh, Right now, the way that they're doing that transaction is the Japanese grocer has to remit Japanese yen through a USD cross, because that's the most liquid one, JPYUSD. That's going through some Japanese bank. It goes to the Indian bank, which receives it in USD. The Indian bank converts it from USD to Indian rupee. And then the Indian guy can now pay his workers and continue the next month. That whole process would take both sides three days, uh, and it would likely cost them, if they're really, really um, you know, high volume, then it's probably a 2 to 3% thing. But it could mm-hmm. be as high as 5 to 9%, depending mm-hmm. on, on what they're using. And let's just say, for argument's sake, it was even 1% or 2%. 
if they both use gold as, as kind of the intermediary ledger, so on our platform, what they'd have is they'd have uh, gold in the middle, one guy would be depositing Japanese yen, and then the gold would be converted, so the Japanese yen would be converted to gold, converted back to Indian rupee. Mm-hmm. That transaction would cost each side 1%. Mm-hmm. And the volatility wow. of gold in those respective currencies, say they just did an instant transaction, we can settle trades instantly. So mm-hmm. if, they, if they did that, the second we received the Japanese yen, we would convert it into gold mm-hmm. and then subsequently convert it into uh, rupees. And that whole transaction would cost, we would earn 2% as a company, but it would cost each side 1% and there'd be no counterparty risk. Um, the, the, that's, that's really the power yeah. of this idea like and you 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 will only people will only understand that if they understand the volatility of gold over short durations which is basically non-existent all right well there's, there's so much more to talk about and and we're only have three minutes left my engineer is telling me so james i want to ask you we've hardly heard from you uh but you know there was a critic out there um, actually a competitor of gold money that was trying to mention all kinds of reasons why you might better take your money away from gold money and put it into his shop. But one of the things he mentioned that did make some sense to me on, on the surface was Gresham's Law. The, the notion that bad money chases good money out of circulation. Why would I want to take my, my good money, gold, and use it to pay uh, for transactions when I can take my cheap fiat money, my worthless stuff, and pay for those same transactions. I think, actually, Roy answered it in part with the example. <laughs> yeah, I, ba- I basically just disputed that with one use case. I mean, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but, but James, I know you've, you've given a lot of thought to Gresham's Law. You've written about it, talked about it in the past, the reason, uh, you, know, the reason you want to own gold. But, I, but do you have any comments on, on that? Yeah, I think Roy explained it uh, beautifully. It <laughs> basically comes down to efficiency and, and lower costs. Uh, you know, merchants don't really care about Gresham's Law. They just care about saving money and doing things quickly and, and safely, and gold offers that opportunity. So I think the interesting thing, Jay, is that the technology that is available today could reverse Gresham's Law. In other words, good money drives out bad because good money, when it's circulating as digital gold currency, is much cheaper, much safer, uh, and much more convenient than dealing in any old fiat currencies. <laughs> you know, you guys have yeah, put and a I, smile on it's, it's you. important. I mean, like yeah. Gresham's Law is something that was coined in like the, you know, I think 18, 1850s or something before. You 1480s. Know, Copper, <laughs> yeah, well, that, that was Thomas Gresham, I think. Yeah, he was. But I think it was the other guy that, uh, that, that named a lot. Either way, this, this, this was before the Internet, before copper wires, before. Like, you know, it's very important to, to have an imagination and expand the category. And, you know, I, I think, you know, praise by name, criticized by, by category. Like, we, we don't really care what these competitors are saying. At this moment, we're sitting on more capital than, than any competitor, okay? We have a, almost a $200 million market cap. We're backed by some of the world's wealthiest families and wealthiest investors. Um, when, by the end of this summer, when we roll out you know, and, and, and it's very important for you to understand gold money is separate from BitGold. BitGold is a payments company. 
Think of it like a Visa or a MasterCard. All right. And unfortunately, Roy and James, we're out of time, my engineer is telling me. But what I'd like to do uh, after we shut off from the show is get a couple of more remarks, and I'm going to put it on my website so people can listen to it. I mean, I wanted to ask you about security uh, and maybe further clarification on Gresham's Law and, and some of these, these things. All I can say is both of you guys have brought a great big smile to my face in an otherwise depressed gold market. So thank you very much for being with us today. Uh, it's been great talking to you, and, and uh, we want to pick up on this as soon as we can. Uh, folks, uh, next week uh, we're going to have Frank Holmes with us uh, to talk about uh, some of the things that Frank is up to. So don't go. Uh, we hope that you'll join us next week. Uh, thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to Tacey Trump, my producer, and Matt Widener, my engineer. Until next week, goodbye, and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Where infrastructure meets grade. Carlisle Goldfields, a TSX-listed Canadian junior miner, has an advanced gold asset in Lynn Lake, Manitoba, Canada, and is being carried through feasibility in a joint venture with NYSE-listed Orico Gold. The Lynn Lake Gold Camp has an open pitable gold resource of 1.7 million ounces measured and indicated and 2.3 million ounces inferred. Orico is in it to build it, and the project is expected to be in mineable reserves by Q3 2016. Government and First Nations support Carlisle's move to production at Lynn Lake. Oren Resources is a Canadian-based gold exploration company focused on the company's flagship Committee Bay project located in northern Canada, one of the best mining jurisdictions in the world. The company's current resource outlined by drilling thus far stands at 1.1 million ounces of gold at over 8 grams per ton. Oren is operated by the same team that founded Asanko Gold, which is constructing a major gold mine in West Africa, and Caden Resources, which was recently purchased in November for over $200 million.